Hello and welcome to episode 179 of the Batflip Crazy podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. As always, I am your host, Toby. Today is edition number 83 of Bubba and the Batflip. Bubba and I take a look at uh, reviewing uh, week six of FAB. A uh, bit, bit of an interesting week. Some high bids, but the bids seem to be coming down a little bit. Not Nothing of too much interest uh, on the waiver wire, just folks trying to fill in some some injury needs. But some interesting players uh, we go in depth on, so hope you enjoy that. And then a ton of listener questions at the end. So really hope you enjoy the podcast. Um, if you do like the podcast, please do go to um, iTunes and leave a rating and review. Always appreciate that. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. You can reach Bubba on Twitter at BDNTrek. Let's get this party started. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba and the BatFlip, episode 83. Going to recap your week six uh, fab action, the top ads over the, at the NFBC, all league formats. Take some awesome listener questions and much, much more to get you going on this week seven of fantasy baseball action, you can find myself on Twitter at BD Intric and my co-host on, as always, on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. Toby, how we doing, man? Uh, we're doing pretty well, Bubba. We're um, just plugging along, you know. Um, nothing too exciting. It's, it has been a good. It's been a nice little pitching day, which is always nice to have happen. Although it, we were talking before the show, you know, already like all the closer speculations that everybody had this week are. Out the window, Thielbar giving up runs, McGee holding it down for Tyler Rogers. So, you know, another wacky week in, in fantasy baseball for sure. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It is a very wacky week. I was we were talking earlier and like DFS. I, I had some stacks I loved. Like my favorite stack of the day was the Royals, and they scored seven runs off the bullpen like I wanted to, but that's after they pulled Salvi and Witt. So it's just like doesn't even matter. Like freaking awesome. Great. Um, yeah, pitching was good though. It was a fun pitching night and uh like watching Shohei go seven strong and then they put him in right field to keep his bat yeah. lineup. That was cool to see. Cause I don't know about if you do, I know you don't, you listen to like a bunch of podcasts, probably not the ones I listen to also, but uh, sometimes I, I need to go outside of the fantasy realm and I, I like baseball still. So I, like um, the athletic came out with their baseball series Monday through Friday and on Tuesday, Starkville, which I used to, I never listened to and I should have with Doug Glanville and, and Jason Stark. They have great interviews, and this week they had Joe Madden on, and he legit talked about how he wants to start treating Shohei once he goes deeper into games. And this was putting him in the outfield. This mm. was just, like he just talked about it on the episode that was released Tuesday uh, morning. It was like, oh wow, this is awesome. But um, maximize yeah. his talent, you know, it's great. I will say to anybody, and then we'll go back to fantasy. If you do like regular baseball stuff, like even Madden, they went into the deep t- conversations of the whole pool holes thing, like how it went down, the thoughts behind it, and all that. It was really cool to listen to the manager basically talk about how his conversations with the ownership and everything went down to basically Mm. release one of the best players of our generation to watch play baseball outside. Like Trout's like the guy everyone talks about. Yes, he is probably one of the best ever, but Bulls was pretty darn good. Like pretty, pretty good. Chinese heyday. Yeah. It's like a lot of the younger kids might not realize just how good Pujols was. Like he was amazing. So it it was cool. to steal bases too. Yeah. Like Like 10 to 15 bags at times. Like he was scary. It's nuts. Yeah, different era, though. Different era for sure. But, uh, yeah, we're here to talk fantasy baseball. But, uh, yeah, it was a fun one. Let's talk some NFBC. Let's talk about, like I say, every week we go to the player movement page. We talk about the top, you know, 10 or so, give or take, fantasy ads for the week and see how we kind of view them going forward. And uh, one of the top ads, because we kind of talked about it a little bit last week, Toby, 
catchers like they were like the, the cat's meow for a while there at fantasy. There were so many good ones, and then they started getting injured and started getting injured and started getting injured. Well, now the Braves have a new catcher, William Contreras, the younger brother of Wilson Contreras of the Chicago Cubs. And William got per, uh, picked up in 334 leagues at highest 225. Um, he had a really big week coming up. He's going to be the guy going forward because it's him and Jeff Mathis because Jackson and um, D.R. Note are going to be out for quite some time. So I, I got some big names went after Contreras. I didn't get him anywhere because I didn't feel like spending a ton of money on a catcher, but I do completely back this situation. I think he's very good. I wouldn't have spent 225, but I like him a lot. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think he's solid. If you look at his projection, you know, he's about 240 batting average, you know, five home runs, you know, around 20 to 25 runs in RBI each. And then that's in 215 plate appearances. So you multiply that by, you know, one and a half, two for the amount of time that he's going to get. You know, that's a decent, decent little clip there for a catcher. So can certainly see why people, especially those that lost out on DRNO and some others. I mean, I've got like prayers up for JT Realmuto, you know, getting hit in his knee. So uh, really hoping that that, um, you know, it's tough when you lose a good catcher like DRNO. It's hard to replace that. But Contreras is probably the closest thing to it. Uh, a little bit of a little bit of uh, a little bit of history. I've only I've only been in one dynasty league ever. And when I joined it, I, I definitely went straight for winning the championship. And the first player that I drafted, though, in that dynasty league that was a minor league player was William Contreras. I like it. Yeah, I like it. I like that a lot. It's it's, it's weird because you talk, you know, dynasty leagues. There's like certain philosophies on what kind of players to keep this, that, and the other. Catchers is a tricky one because to get like a unique catcher is like awesome. Like you know, there's Joey Bart's. There's um, I'm totally just like totally blanking right now on the Adley Rushman and all these guys that are the next big thing. But back then it was Posey. But there's only like a handful of those. Like there's so many that you're thinking, okay, they're going to be great. And then you're just like, yeah, they're okay. We can kind of play that play that game. Where Contreras, he's got the pedigree. Like I, I agree with you. I went after – it was either him or someone else in the Brave system just because the way they produce catchers. Like they have, they're one of the teams I feel like personally produced them well. So I think that's an interesting philosophy because it's hard to hold catchers in Dynasty – but at the same time, like you, you've been in dynasty leagues. If you are looking for catchers on the waiver wire, good luck. Like it's it's absolutely brutal. Like really uh, bad. Half of my trades involve catchers. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, it was William Contreras. I had Luis Campusano on my team. Uh, I had Bo Naylor on my team on, on yeah. Cleveland. You know, I've got I had all those guys, and I just cycle through them, trading them for for things. I got um. I don't know if it was for him, but I got uh, I managed to get Yasm. I have Yasmani and Grandal and, and Wilson Contreras as my catcher, so I'm I'm good for that's a bit. outstanding. That's outstanding. You know, be good. Definitely be good for a little while there. Uh, talking about dynasty leagues, the next most added player in 234 leagues as high as 177. Um, I he was pretty low in a lot of my leagues actually, probably like 20 to 50, 60 bucks give or take. Is Trevor Larnack, and it's got like he he was the number three prospect I believe for the Minnesota Twins. Good power bat. bat. Uh, he was behind Kirilov in the, in the whole reign of the outfield prospects for the Twins. But, you know, Kirilov goes down. Buxton goes down. They kind of got their hand forced. It feels kind of like the whole Soto coming up thing. Not that I'm not comparing Larnak to Soto by any means, but the whole idea that we weren't supposed to see Larnak yet, and then they kind of got their hand forced just like the Nationals did. We'll see how Larnak does. Um, I wasn't super aggressive on him because I think these, there's so many moving parts with Garlic and Cave and other guys in that Twins outfield. Um, I know Kirilov, they're saying he's going to get a quarter zone shot. He might be back soon. I don't know. So I was kind of, I was kind of like timid on the bids. How did you approach Larnick this week? 
Yeah, I had, I had very timid bids as well. I mean, I wasn't, you know, a lot of a lot of my focus was uh, was around pitching as usual. With Larnock, he wasn't he was on my radar, but just not somebody that I really wanted to break the bank for. You know, it's been a while, obviously, like 2019 is the last minors that we have to look at. But, you know, above above single A, he struggled with strikeouts. You know, the projections aren't as hot at him as him. I don't think his hit tool is nearly as good as Kirilov. So I, I wasn't I wasn't that that interested. I, I definitely had him in a, in a couple conditional bid lines, but nothing outrageous. Yeah, uh, that's kind of where I was at. It was like, could I see him going off? Yeah, sure. Like the pedigree is there, but I haven't seen like we've seen it with Kirilov and others that came up to make me want to go crazy for him. And also with you, I, I had other things I needed to fill in my lineup. And it was kind of like, yeah, I'm going to back off on this one for now. Uh, the next big ad and, and people like some people snooped up Tony Gonsolin last week for a kind of a discount, kind of speculating He's the next guy to take over with Dustin May going down. Well, everyone else grabbed him this week. 203 leagues, as high as 219. He's still going to be kind of slow go, and he's not going to be fully ramped up for a little while still, a couple more weeks at least. But you're kind of stashing him going, okay, we know what Gonsolin can do in the past. We know he's going to be on the Dodgers. Like, the whole situation's great. He's only going to cost more and more money the closer we get. So I didn't get any Gonsolin, but uh, were you in on Gonsolin this week? Not this week. I got him last week in a number of different places. Um and I think we talked a little bit about him, but I mean, I, he's worth it. Even if he's on the bench for another three weeks, you know, um, you still get him for 18 weeks or whatever it is of the season. And I think he's, he's lights out when he pitches and he's on the Dodgers who theoretically are a good team. I know they really are a good team and they're just yeah. in, a, in a drought right now, but who knows? Maybe Trevor Bauer will tear them apart. You never know. They're still going to win. The we, we can only like, be so right. lucky. Yeah, so they're still going to win the West. I'm watching them lose, and trust me, it makes me happy every day I see them lose. But I'm like, they're going to win the West. Like, if any team in baseball could win like 25 of 30, like twice in a row, it's going to be the Dodgers. Like, it wouldn't shock me at all. So I'm just going to wait until like it's September and they're like 15 games out, then I'll feel a little more comfortable. But as long as they're as they have a chance, yeah, I'm not going to not going to get my hopes up. They're too good, too good of a ball club, but something that doesn't involve the pickups this week, but you mentioned it with holding Gonsolin for three weeks. I want to throw it out to the listeners because I've held Framber Valdez all season since I drafted him, but I know in a lot of my 12 teamers, he's sitting out there still and he Mm -hmm. started to throw bullpens this week and they're speculating potentially at the best, the end of May, most likely early June, he could be back. And if that's the case, you can try to stash him. Now he's just like Gonsolin, well worth the stash in my opinion. So if you can go and you know get some Framber cheap right now because that price is just going to keep going up as more reports come out like hey he's getting closer hey he's getting closer I know in a lot of my twelve team leagues he's out there fifteens I doubt it I really doubt it. I haven't seen him out there but twelve teamers if you're in those leagues keep an eye on it if you can stash him somewhere in leagues without ILs obviously because most guys put him on their IL but uh, he's out there so keep an eye on that too. All righty, the next big ad, Tyler Rogers. We kind of hinted at that. Picked up in 188 leagues for as high as 134. Now, see, I've been preaching that the Tyler Rogers things. I still think he's going to walk away with a handful of saves this year. Uh, it is good to see McGee pounce back because I have a lot of Jake McGee, and that yeah, was getting a little stressful is. at times, back-to-back days with saves. But um, the thing we keep talking about, and I apparently these people don't listen to the show, go and get the speculative closers, but don't break the bank for the speculative closers. Like there should have been no three digit bids on Tyler Rogers. It's just, you just like, we'll get to some guys that got added. Like I got Blake Trinan for like three bucks. Like, or you might have to spend more on certainly, but I got them cheap just on like, you didn't have to break the bank for everybody type stuff. Is my point. You got field bar. How much do you get field bar for? 
I got him for between three and thirteen dollars in He's, every yeah. single one of my leagues, which is painful. But I the, wasn't but even the, gonna start him this week. I was actually just gonna have him on the bench, you know. But the, the point is, is he's probably got I wouldn't be shocked if they end with similar save lines by the end of the season and you didn't break the bank for him. So yeah. it's like that's the premise of everything we keep saying every week is I like Tyler Rodgers. I like speculating on him, but let's come on, let's timid things down a little bit. But did you have anything else on Tyler Rodgers? Sorry. Oh no, 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 no. I was just gonna I was just complaining because the Rays moved Ryan Yarborough's start, so he only yeah. has one start against the Yankees. So I swapped in Fieldbar on a couple teams, and uh, it has not worked out well for me. Um, on Tyler Rogers, I mean, one of the things is again we're still really early in the season, so check out this stuff. I mean, he has a 190 BABIP, a 91% strand rate. He only has a 12.5% strikeout rate, a 7.5% K minus walk, a 6% swinging strike rate. Now, granted, I think he's generating like a ton of ground balls. Yeah, he's a, sinker, a side arming sinker ball machine. Yeah, absolutely, which is fantastic. But still, like these numbers are not are not sustainable that he's putting up right now. Um, and so there is like a little bit of a limit to the ceiling on the profile that he's throwing with right now, which is obviously a different profile than he had last last year when he struggled a little bit. So I would just caution, like normally when I'm going for those higher bids and this actually is not, I'm kind of lying here. Cause I did that did $77 on Brian Garcia. Uh, desperate desperation makes you do desperate things. Um, but is generally you want to have like a guy that's, that's skilled as well, you know, yeah. um, at least, but. And the one, the one thing I'll say about Rogers is I'm trying to see his 2019. That's the season I want from him. It's like, can you get back to that where, his his swinging strike was only eight point two percent, which he still likes more of. But his his um his overall profile was was much more in line with what you'd want to see. Basically, he had like zero barrels, I think, at at one point. He had no home runs allowed that season. Stuff long and his strikeout rate was over twenty percent. So now you're starting to get into at least something respectable. So hopefully that gets there. If not, you know, if you're in a saves hold league, he's still going to be good for you. But it'll be interesting to see how that goes. He is the next man up. In the bullpen, I know, like I'm pretty confident in that. But as long as McGee gets it done, man, like the one thing with the Giants, though, yeah. they're not blowing teams out. That's why McGee's been getting days off for guys like Rogers to get a chance. It's like there's multiple days in a row where they're getting the late inning guys in big plays. Them, so. them in the A's, man, they're like all winning by one run every game. It's a beautiful thing. Sometimes it's also mm-hmm. stressful at the same yeah. time. Uh, next up, the last week we talked a lot about Tyler O'Neill. Now we talk about his teammate, Harrison Bader, who got picked up a lot last week, but pretty much everywhere else this week, 187 leagues, as high as 166. The dude is just starting to really, really heat up. A little bit of power, lots of speed. Um, it's an intriguing play. I always just get so tilted with their outfielders because there's so many moving parts. Um, obviously, they traded Dexter Fowler, which opens up some room for sure, but there's still just so many moving parts in that outfield. So I've never really been in on Bader and O'Neill. I guess if you needed saves, it's a really good move. Um, were you interested or you have any thoughts on Bader? Yeah, I think he was only available in one league and it, of mine, and it was maybe a 12-teamer, maybe it was a 15-teamer. I mean, I, kind of. I mean, the power speed is obviously what people are interested in. You know, it's a very small sample, but, you know, his contact rate's up so far this year. But the challenge with him is that the batting average is is floor is pretty low. And obviously the batting average floor overall for, the, for everybody is pretty low. Right. I mean, it's it's kind of ridiculous at this point, but, you know, and so maybe that's a little bit less of a concern. But, you know, um, 
but the but the power and the speed aren't necessarily overwhelming, you know. Uh, and so, so that's why I wasn't hyper aggressive on him where he was available in 12 teamers. I, I really don't think you need to be super aggressive on him. I don't think there's a huge difference between him and whoever you can pick up on the waiver wire in any given week, but in 15s, I can see why people who are looking for a little bit of speed without hurting their power would definitely look his way. And 15s. I am desperate for outfielders. Like in our TGFBI, I picked up Kai Tom and Jake mm. Bowers. Yeah. Um, you picked I, him I up did, in Barf too. I had, I had a little bit I meant, of I meant, I meant Barf. Yeah, I meant Barf. Yeah. Like, was, I'm and desperate. OBP, I mean, yeah, for OBP, right. I am desperate for outfield. Like, if you saw my roster, it's just, it's a walking graveyard these days. So I'm just, every week, I'm just replacing guys, praying to get something out of them. It's, it's been fun. So, yes, 15 team league outfields. I know Scott Jenstead talks about it a lot. It is dreadful, absolutely dreadful. I started writing the outfield waiver wire piece at Rotoballer two weeks ago. And like you do 50% or less on Yahoo. And I'm like, oh, dude, there's all kinds of good players. I'm like, oh, no, 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 they're not. Like I, I, in 15s, it's like 10% or less. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's the guys I'm bidding on. Yep, that's the ones. It's like, oh, man, I need to, I seem to play all 12 team leagues and feel better about life. So much better. But um, let's go to Houston. Starting a young rookie, Luis Garcia, picked up in 187 leagues. Max bid of 142. I'm in, I, I like this one. I didn't get him anywhere. But we saw the strikeout stuff on full display against an Angels team that does not strike out a lot. Gave up a couple of home runs towards the end of his outing, but he's pitched pretty well. And it looks like for now, there's going to be a pretty steady spot in that rotation. So I think this is one of those kind of like good guys that might give you some run for a little while here. Yeah, I really like him a lot. I was kind of amazed. Honestly, I got him in one of my main events for 32 bucks. Um, you know, I, 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 I've been, he's been one of these guys that I've been following for the last few weeks, just because like you mentioned, the skills are, the skills are really nice. I mean, um, 13% swinging strike rate, 19.5% K minus walk rate. The control has been not that great, uh, but it's been good enough, you know, slightly above league average walk rate has gotten a little bit un, uh, unlucky with or lucky with the Babbitt at 221, but a little maybe unlucky. You never know with the 1.8 um, home runs per nine. But, I mean, everything looks really good, more than a strikeout in inning, 360 RA, 107 whip. I really like what I'm seeing from, from him. And so to get him for 32 bucks when he has, you know, that two-step of the Angels in the front half and then the Rangers and both of them at home, you know, uh, Later this week, I was just really excited about about that, and I got him in a couple of twelve teamers as well. So he's definitely one. I, I wasn't. I was gonna bid pretty hard on him two weeks ago, but then you know when I was looking at you know like the pitching grids and things like that, they had Odorizzi coming back, and so when he was not coming back, I mean, I think it was a. I really like him. Everything that I see tells me he can at least be an average pitcher, which off the waiver wire you feel pretty good about. If not you know, above league average, which, you know, I'll take it. Yeah. I'm with you. Like, that's kind of why I didn't get him at one point. Cause like playing DFS, I'm like, okay, this kid's good. I've used him kind of as a cheap pitcher from time to time, but they were only letting him go four innings and he was coming out of the bullpen because of Rizzi's back, all these different things. I'm sitting there going, okay, there's no home for him. Well, now there's a home for him. So it's like, okay, this kind of changes things. Obviously it makes things a, a little, little more interesting. And that's why I could understand the bids. It's one of the first guys we talked about tonight. Where I'm like, okay, I get it. Cause this guy could be a kind of game changer if he keeps rolling out in that uh, Houston system where they're going to score a lot of runs for him at worst, like he's going to get his chances for some W's. So I like that one quite a bit. Now let's go to the wonderful Tampa Ray bullpen. Uh, just injury after injury. Like at one point we had like five closers. Then there's just, everyone's getting hurt. And now Pete Fairbanks is back. He got picked up in 185 leagues as high as 109. 
you'd think he'd be the kind of favorite here, but we saw Kitteridge get two saves over the weekend. But now Kitteridge on Tuesday was warming up to come in after Patino, but Fleming came in. Tampa Bay, everybody. So um, Pete Fairbanks, I love his stuff. I think he's phenomenal. I think he should be the closer, but Tampa Bay doesn't believe in closers. So what's your thoughts on Fairbanks? Um, yeah, Fairbanks, I don't understand it at all, honestly. Like when he was healthy at the beginning of the season, he wasn't the closer. Um, you know, he's coming back. He hasn't been in it. They've had save opportunities and he hasn't had access to them. Castillo's coming back, like you mentioned. Like I don't understand the Fairbanks bids at all. Uh, Theo Bar update. He has now given up four uh, earned oh, runs no. in one in one and a third inning. So all the beautiful starts I had earlier today, you know, the JT Brubakers of the world uh, out the window. So cheers. Yeah. Brubaker was great. I, I'm not going to go too deep, but seeing Logan Webb strike out 10 and six innings, I was like, yeah, that was a, uh, that made me feel good. Cause we, we preached, we liked Logan Webb quite a bit in the preseason and it was kind of a rocky April with Logan Webb, mm-hmm. but we saw some signs of that today. So that was, that was good. And we get Danny Duffy on Wednesday. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes because he's got nice. the Detroit Tigers who can't hit a lefty. So let, that means he plugs up seven. It's just like par for the course type stuff. Eventually the blow up's coming. But yes, Fairbanks, like you said, it's the guy was their main closer. It was him and Castillo, the left, like they shared the role in the postseason. And he was so dominant in the back inning, back innings. And then they, just, they haven't given it to him. It's beyond confusing. And the, the worst thing is, and this is why I could say I wouldn't have spent that money on him. Like, I agree, but I want shares of him still because I believe there's going to be a run this year where all of a sudden he's doing it again, just like he did in the postseason. Like, that's just how they do things there. And it's beyond annoying. But like, I just feel it's it's coming. But yeah, it, it's hard to spend that kind of money knowing he's not really the closer. Like, it's just the, and then, like I said, Kitteridge, like, I even grabbed him for like a couple bucks everywhere, just like, screw it. I'm not going to go after Fairbanks and spend a bunch of money, but hey, I'll go grab some Kitteridge for cheap. See what happens. And then they got him warming up in the fourth inning. Or fourth inning today. I'm like, that's good stuff. Go get I mean, him. K- Kittredge or Springs, you know, go yeah, for them. Just, the cheaper. Yeah, I think that's one thing we keep preaching is like when there's three or four guys in the mix, get the cheap ones and see what happens because they're all going to get their fair share one way or another. Mm. Another one coming up here. We talked about him a little bit last week, but I guess I'll bring him up again. Cole Irvin of the Oakland A's got picked up in 171 leagues, $124 max bid. I like what we've seen from Irvin so far this year. He had a little rough outing his last go-round, but overall I think there's some nice improvements with what we've seen from Irvin, like strikeout stuff, and other all overall profiles been pretty strong from Irvin. So I, I know I have him in a few leagues. Uh, what's your thoughts on Cole Irvin? Yeah, I mean, he just strikes me as like the perfect A's pitcher. You know, yes. it's like he's got, you know, uh, he's just like he's going to do really well at home. He'll do fine on the road. I mean, you know, nothing like jumps out at you. 18.5% strikeout minus walk. I mean, the thing that actually jumps out at me is, is the, is the, uh, the control. Um, first pitch strike rate is really great. O swing better than league average. He's in the zone a lot with his pitches. I know he throws uh, fastball or sinker, whichever one it is. Um, both. Both uh, quite a bit. Um, so he's in the zone a lot and they're not, folks aren't doing damage on, on him um, yet. And so when you don't walk guys, you can afford to give up a home run here and there, which he's doing, but not at any type of outrageous rate. So I really like what I've seen so far. He's a perfect, perfect, like deeper league, you know, guy that you feel pretty confident throwing out, you know, three quarters of the time, if if not more, at least how he's going right now. And then in a 12 teamer kind of stream him as you see fit. But I like what I've seen so far with, with urban. 
Yeah, and looking at his uh, Statcast page, he's basically he's got five pitches. Basically, a four pitch pitcher. Problem is, his four seems like thirty eight percent of the time, and his sinker's twenty one. So in my head, that's like a almost sixty percent fastball pitcher. Like because unless the sinker's really filthy, like it's heavy, heavy, they kind of run in the same pattern for the most part to me. But he, if you look at where he locates them, they're much different. But the changeup and the slider have been quite effective. So. It's one of those, I think, as he develops, maybe they'll start mixing the changeup and slider in a little more, and we might see something really interesting with him that might also affect his command. So we'll see how that goes. Don't want to kind of reinvent the whole wheel with the kid because he's getting it done, but you might be able to find a way to get some more strikeouts and limit some more damage if uh, if they feel the need to. Uh, speaking of catchers, we, talked about, we opened up with Contreras. He's back, Toby. He's back. Danny Jansen got picked up in 166 leagues, as high as $67 because – Alejandro Kirk's on the 60-day IL now, so Danny Jansen's in, and he's flexing his muscle. He's still hitting for no batting average, but he's hitting home runs. He's like a mini Mike Zanino out there, so people are running with him. I think it's cool to see him back. I, he, he's going to annoy your fantasy team quite a bit because he's got a lot of slow periods, but um, hey, he's back. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, this is like to the typical MO for Danny Jansen at this point in his career, just be god awful to start the year and then go on like a hot streak or two but you know i think the challenge with with jansen you mentioned the batting average i mean his career babbit now and and you know obviously it's only 701 plate appearances for a babbit but it's 213 you know um even in his last relatively full season his babbit was 230 which just leaves that batting average in such dangerous territory if you're going to keep him in for an extended run you know, we always talk about how the skills, you know, don't look bad, right? He doesn't chase pitches outside the zone. He makes a decent amount of contact. You know, even the stack cast metrics in the past haven't been that bad, but you know, it's bad, but I think he's a guy you plug and play based on the matchups. Like I have him in, in, in I think one main event this week, uh, just cause they've got, you know, they've got six games and, you know, um, I think he was like third or fourth on my list, but you know, that's that's what you have to do with catcher if you don't have somebody somebody solid. So find a plug and play. Just don't keep him in there for too long because it, it it gets gnarly with that batting average. It's going to get very gnarly. So buckle up and see what you can do. Like I would have much rather gambled on Contreras. That's for sure. But if you you know maybe Dan- Jansen was your backup bid, that's fine. You need you need to put a healthy body out there. I get it. It's rough, but uh, definitely an option. Uh, Brandon Crawford got picked up in a lot of leagues because he came back from a little bang- being banged up. And he's crushing. He's having a heck of a year. The Giants belt Crawford Posey. It's like it's 2012 all over again. Uh, they're all hitting the baseball really well. Um, Crawford uh, as high as 178. I would not have done that. And I'm a Giants fan. Like I just that that's not happening, boys and girls. But um, he's been very very good. And in deeper leagues, shortstop, middle infield, I could see the viability of running him out there. Just beware. Like he's getting older, things can change. But the power's there. The average is not great. But he's even stealing some bags. So do you got any other thoughts on uh, Crawford? No, not not really. Uh, I think you know your analysis is spot on there. I think he he is kind of a guy who we know who he is, and he's on a he's on a heater right now. I mean, his home run per fly ball rate's at twenty five percent, which helps explain you know a little bit why he's got the seven home runs. That's you know almost ten percent higher than it's ever been in any other um, point in his career. His contact rate is down, you know, so that that K rate you know could if keep if things keep up. Uh, be a little bit of an issue, but it may be a situation where he's decided to change a little bit of contact for power, you know, barrel rates higher than it's ever been before. Again, small sample, all that stuff still applies at this point in time in the season. 
So he's more than likely to regress back to where he is. But the fact that he is making less contact, maybe he's selling out for a little bit more of that power. But yeah, that speed is really nice. I mean, you know, the most stolen bases I've ever had in a season was seven back in 2016, and he's already got three this year. So definitely, you know, a guy and he's playing every day, which which means so much at this point in time, too. I'm just pissed. I actually picked him up for I believe they played in Coors like second or third week in the season and they had a seven game week and I plugged him in there and I think he got injured I think he were playing like Philly and and the Rockies and he got injured so I didn't even get to take advantage so I dropped him right away and then what happens like just goes off goes off yeah yeah it happens I'm well it definitely happens but I think he's interesting for sure because he's showing signs of life this whole Giants team the offense is crazy like it's they're not out of games right now. It's really, really bizarre watching them play baseball because as a Giants fan, I'm not used to that. But, um, yeah, I'd ride it while you can. Maybe he keeps it going. Maybe have him do Bond there and some other young players to kind of spark him up, keep him going. I don't know. Kapler, as much as I give him a hard time, he's doing a great job rotating the veterans and giving them days off because they have so many utility and platoon-type players. Longo's getting days off. Crawford, Posey never catches more than two games in a row. Like that he's they're giving these guys days off left and right. It's it's keeping them fresh. So I think it's going to be very interesting. You might not get seven days a week from Crawford, but you could probably get five for sure. And uh, it could be very, very productive. So I think it, it's interesting watching some of those, especially with all the injuries these days. As much as we want seven, five good matchups could be quite important right now. Um, a guy I want to ask you about is Seth Brown of the Oakland Athletics. Picked up 135 leagues, as high as 128. Um, he's a guy I've been kind of following from a distance, doing DFS every day. I can't pull the trigger on him, but he's got five home runs on the year. He's hitting 259, decent ISO. Like he's hitting with some power, um, playing all over the outfield, occasionally at first base. It's just such a weird overall profile from him that I can't really buy in on it, but. I don't know. Have you done any digging on, on Seth Brown? Because he's been quietly getting picked up in deeper leagues. Yeah, I think he's like, he's just the prototypical A's hitter, you know? I mean, he hits for power, you know, decent on base, uh, uh, on base, you know, contact issues as well. My challenge for him and why I haven't really been able to get behind him, like I definitely had him pretty far down on some conditional bid lists, you know, because he's, he's, he's definitely intriguing. You know, nice max exit below, nice, nice barrels, has a history of hitting for a ton of power in the minors. But he's he is, he's not in a strict platoon. Like if you look at the last um, uh, number of games for the A's, you know, he had a period of three games where he didn't start in a row because they were facing three lefties. Then he did get a lefty on Sunday, but I think that was more, I think on on Saturday he had a really good game so maybe that was kind of more of a reward for what he was able to do on saturday but it's really hard to roster guys who aren't like elite at least elite yet when when they're platooning because you know if if you have three games and that given the first half of the week and he's sitting for one of them you can't really start the guy with two starts same thing happens on the weekend it's nice to think about those types of platoon situations and be like oh yeah well i can i can manipulate the platoon easier said than done with like the amount of injuries that are on benches this year with, with everything that's happening. So for me, I, I wasn't in on him, but I could certainly see the the appeal uh, most definitely. I mean, Mitch Moreland was available in a couple leagues and I'd rather go with Moreland because I think he's getting more, more at bats against lefties than, um, than, than Brown is, but you know, it could be, he could be like a guy who hits 25, 30 home runs this year, Seth Brown for sure. 
Yeah, no, I'm in the same boat as you. It's like, I guess, if you want to say prototypical A's outfielder that might hit 25 to 30 home runs, is he like the next uh, Moss? Was it was it Mitch Moss? Brandon or, Moss. Brandon Moss. Brandon Moss. Brandon yeah, Moss, Red yeah. Sox prospect back yep. in the day. I love Brandon Moss in the minors. Um, yeah, I mean, he did have his seasons, right, yep. where he just crushed it. Lots I mean, of power, not a great average, like Jay Bruce-type yeah. profile. <laughs> For sure. Well, yeah, it'd be interesting if he fits that mold, but the playing time, definite concern. I just like I can't, I can't bid on this kind of thing right now. Then again, I went and got Kai Tom and Jake Bowers. So, yeah. I mean, Kai yeah. Tom in, in, in an OBP and Jake Bowers, dude. I in mean, I OBP. was looking, yeah. I was looking at Jake Bowers' numbers. People, yep. I'm not back in. I mean, for those of you who are new to the pod, back in 2019, I mean, <laughs> heading into the 2019 season, Jake Bowers was all the rage for me. I had a bold prediction about Jake Bowers. I absolutely love Jake Bowers, but um, but no, he's been putting it together. Like he, I noticed, he was batting second today, and I was like, "Yes, why is he batting second? Like, what's the deal? Like, what? How? How awful is this Cleveland lineup?" And let me tell you, the Cleveland lineup's bad. Like Jake yeah. Bowers should not be batting second on any team. But over the last like ten to fifteen games, what happened? Anager just hit his second of the game off of a Bueller. Oh man. And guess who's pitching well again? Knock on wood. Kikuchi. Kikuchi. Oh. Yeah, he's looking oh, good, man. actually. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, you know, he had a rough little start to the season. But if you look at who he was facing, he was facing that he, I think he was, I think he was like Houston, yep. Red Sox, Houston, or something like that. It's so, been a rough go for him, for sure. Yeah. And, but well, yeah, not yeah. really, though. Kikuchi at this well, point? Yeah. No, no, the early, the early, the early, the early, yeah, the ske- yeah. early schedule was tough. Like he had a tough oh. early schedule. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and it, what it, what it brings to light, we'll get back to Jake Bauer here in a minute. Yeah. Um, is this example right here with the Dodgers? Like, if people are looking for streaming, and there's a lot of great content out there, like SP Streamer, Michael Simeone, and a bunch, like uh, Dick Pollock, all these guys, great streaming stuff. But just go to Fangraphs and use a split tool. If you want to just use like the last two weeks or whatever, the Dodgers offense, the Padres offense, like some of these big teams that you're just like automatically not starting people against, like they could blow up on any night. We, we know that. But overall, they're playing really bad baseball right now, like really, really bad, especially versus left-handed pitching. So it's just something to kind of think about if you want to, because no one's going to bid on some of these guys. Like I'm not saying Kikuchi is already rostered, but you're in certain matchups and say you need a guy to pitch and you want to spend a buck. They're there. It's not the sexiest play, but it's it's there. So just something to think about. But Jake Bowers, you were saying. Oh, yeah, J- just Jake Bowers over the last 10 to 15 games. The O-swing is like almost at a career low for that period of time. It's like 20% or under. Um, he's hitting the ball very hard, at least hard hit percentage on um, on fan graphs. You know, the, the quality of contact metrics have always been his kind of bugaboo, like uh, the um, stat cast metrics. And so um, those still aren't great. Those still aren't great. Although his, his max exit velo is decent. Um, but yeah, he's making a lot of contact, really good plate discipline, getting the ball in the air a lot um, and hitting the ball hard. So could be a recipe for success. I mean, if they have a nice little schedule coming up, he might be, uh, he might be a nice little add and a 15 teamer just to get plate appearances if they're, if they've got right-handers going. Cause you know, even like, like, you know, it's really a good opportunity at this point in time. Like a good example is Cesar Hernandez. Like mm-hmm. Cesar Hernandez, if you look two weeks ago, he was hitting like one, whatever. He's probably still hitting one something or other. But like all the metrics were the same as they always are. And actually some of the quality of contact metrics were better. 
So when you see guys like that, either over a short period of time, like a window of time, or um, just in general, like hop, hop on it. Like, you know, they're going, they have the season. We're starting to see that from both pitchers and hitters where they're starting to get going. Like Jorge Polanco, you know, like was hitting 150. Now he's hitting 240. You know, Andrew McCutcheon was hitting 180. Now he's hitting 220, 230. You know, that's, that, that's the thing that's going to happen. Like if, if they put together a 300 batting average over the next few weeks, all of a sudden they've got the exact same batting average, you know, or they're, they're splitting the difference, you know, from earlier on in the season. So stick with those guys, follow the skills, not necessarily the results still at this point in the season. Yeah. And one easy one to, to point out, I know you tweeted it on Monday and I wrote about it actually on Sunday in an article Did that came you? out Monday. I came out Monday. If you look at all of Kyle Tucker's metrics, you're oh, sitting there going, dude. he's ready to, that's like Chernobyl. He's ready to explode. And he's already oh, done it. I know it's only like two days this week, but the dude, he's too good. We've preached that long enough, but we've had questions in recent weeks. Like, should I get rid of Kyle Tucker? And like, no, like, no, <laughs> look at the overall. He almost he's had beautiful. Ex, his XBA was almost a hundred points off his bag. Average. Like, even if it just regresses halfway there, you're sitting pretty. It's like, it's crazy. Uh, Kyle Tucker is beautiful. I mean, but, Kyle Tucker is fantastic like he's a guy i drafted him in some big leagues in the third round mm-hmm. you know and i would do it again i mean oh, yeah he's everything is there everything is there i mean he played disciplines fine in batting average leagues he's stronger obviously but like the contact rates are all great like the batted ball quality metrics are all great like everything is wonderful and he's going to start stealing bases too and this week he's got seven games at home against the angels and the rangers hence like why i said it was going to be kyle tucker week and we've already got i think a triple run he took otani deep he took otani deep he took otani deep i mean the guy is taking otani deep come on yeah it was it was pretty impressive and then um i also say don't give up on tommy fam everybody he already has a couple more hits today, and he stole another base. Like mm-hmm. it's coming with Tommy Fam. I can't remember and my who boy it was. Made him a today. Yeah, he had a big game, but I can't remember who it was. Uh, he works for Pitcherless. It's uh, at Chase. I feel so bad for not remembering this. Um, but he did a whole thread on Tommy Fam's like deeper numbers, and it, it just made me feel so much. He said it so much more eloquently than my caveman brain says. So it's like just follow, follow the the path, like you're saying. Basically, some of these guys, hey, it won't work for all of them. But some of these guys will find the back of their baseball card. This is who they are. This is why you drafted them. So just keep that in mind. All right. We'll do a couple more players here. We actually have some decent uh, list of like, not de- they're all decent questions, but like a, lo- a decent list length of questions tonight. Um, you know, Josh Naylor got picked up in a lot of leagues. He's hitting the ball really well. Nico Goodrum as well. Jonathan the VR with uh, Davis out right now. Any other hitters that stood out to you this week? Williams Astadio went up everywhere. Kevin Pillar. A lot of guys like that. In shallower leagues, Tyler Naquin, but that was only really for this week. I mean, this week he's got four against the Pirates, all righties, and then three at Coors, all against righties. So he was a guy in shallower leagues that I went after as a hitter. Um, you know, one guy one guy who, uh, not for this week, but uh, is in a similar spot is Evan White. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tweeted about him the other day. I don't know what to do about Evan White because the batting average is horrendous. It was horrendous last year. But when you look at the profile, last year he had really good batted ball quality metrics, a really good barrel rate. He's got a really nice max exit velo. Like everything was good, but the strikeout rate was super high. Well, this year his contact rate is has shot up. Like it's better than league average um, right now. 
Like, I think it's much better than league average, actually. But the quality of contact metrics have not been there. And, and so the question is, and, and those are oftentimes, right, we always talk about how, like, you know, whereas contact rates and chase rates and things like that, they're for pitches. But some of these quality of contact metrics, right, when they put the ball in play is the only time. So we're talking about a smaller sample within a smaller sample. And so it's still possible that those quality of contact metrics from last year can return. And if they do with that contact profile, and it could be that he gave up, the, he increased the contact and he gave up some pop because of it, then that won't happen. But if he's able to kind of thread the needle on those and bring that contact rate to a decent level, maintain those quality of contact metrics that he had before, I mean, he's not going to hit 300. He's not going to hit 270 probably. But if he could get to 240, 250, hit you 25 to 30 home runs playing every day in that lineup, like that this year in particular, I think could be really, really valuable because they're playing him every day. Like kind of regardless of what he does hitting wise. And then that's some value. And I've, I've literally like every week in every league of mine, he's dropped and I pick him up and I'm always like, I really want to get Evan White. I can't just put in like a $2 bid. I got to do like 13 or $14. And then every single time, I think every single time it's been no competition at all for him. And so I'm just really hoping that he kind of puts it together. Um, so that's one guy that I've been kind of after a little bit, I picked him up in a really big league um, as well uh, last year, but uh, again, like, and it's been really actually incredibly frustrating, but, um, you know, for me, like I've so much of my attention has been on relievers and pitchers this year, just because of the nature of, of everything that, um, it, it has made it really, really frustrating. Uh, cause you know, I, I want to be paying more attention to hitters, but, uh, I haven't been. Yeah. It's, it's been tough. It's been very, very tough. Uh, some of the other pitcher, like, uh, pitchers that went, in some leagues, I guess, like Wade Miley coming off the no-no. Do you think people overreacted to that, or do you buy in on Wade Miley? Because he's still not strike. He's striking less than 20% of the batters he faces. Stringing swinging strike rates like eight and a half, or give or take, something like that. He doesn't do it for me, but he's limiting hard contact. I'll give him that much. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of into, I'm, I'm kind of into Miley in the sense that, um, like, if you look at Wade Miley over the last few years, uh, you know, starting in 2018, again, we're going to not pay attention to everything that happened before then, or at least the first few years uh, before then. So 2018, in 80 innings, he had a 2.57 ERA, a 1.21 whip. In 2019, he had a 3.98 ERA and a 1.34 whip. You know, last year, I mean, very small, 14 innings, 5.65. But that's all to say, like, those are atrocious numbers in today's game, right? If he gets you this year a three three a 4, four ERA with a 1.3 whip, you know, with about, you know, a strikeout, I guess it's a little less than a strikeout an inning. It's serviceable. I mean, he's not a guy that you need to have on your roster all the time, but when he's got, he had two games, two games this week, right? Who did he have? Yeah. He's gone in all, all the 15 teamers. Um, oh, uh, he's only got one start this week. He's only got one start. It's at Colorado. So I wouldn't have been into that obviously, no. but you know, um, there's, you know, next week, what is he going to have? He's got San Francisco and Milwaukee. So I'd be all over that. Uh, although, you know, streaming lefties against San Francisco has not worked out super not well for as, me, Baba. Um, nope, nope. Austin Gomer. Yep. Flashbacks. It has, has not worked that well. I mean, the BABIP is super low. So it could be a very dangerous situation. But, you know, we don't know when they're going to come. But, I think by the end of the season, his ERA is probably going to be, you know, three, five to four. His whip will be like one, 
two five or something like that. And if he throws a full season, he'll probably have like, I don't know, 150 innings and 130 strikeouts or something like that, which when played in the right situations is certainly a very serviceable for 15 team leagues in a 12 team league. I, I wouldn't, I think it's too dangerous to mess around with him unless you know for a fact, he's going to throw a no hitter. Then I would, I would yeah. put him in your lineup if that's the case. Yeah. I like how you caveat of that. Like 15 teams. Okay. 12. Like I just can't stomach it because I know, I think it was two or three years ago when he was on a roll. And then remember that blow up when he was pitching for the Astros and just unraveled from there for the rest of the season. I know he said he was like tipping pitches and all these different things, but I just, I guess I have PTSD from that. It was just, it was so bad. Didn't even get out of the first inning. It was, it was, it was a gomber. It was the original gomber. So original that was, gomber. that was fun. But a and, couple of that's what, that's what happens with those, those types of pitchers though. You know, it's yes. like when you give up a ton of contact, it, it'll come back to get you. Eventually. Yeah. Eventually you're just not going to get the miss swing and misses. And it's going to be like, Ooh, no. Um, like Blake Trinan mentioned him earlier. I grabbed him in a few leagues. Um, Al- Adbert Alzale pitched on Tuesday. He's been intriguing. Mm-hmm. Tyler Anderson's been pretty Very good. good. Very Pittsburgh. Good. So those are kind of the main other main pitchers that got added towards uh, the top. Bubba, I have a confession to make. Uh Oh, what you got? I set a Mac. I set a max bid across all contests on Tyler. Are you, are you the one thirty two? Oh, on, the, on Tr- 10, the 103 on Blake Trinan. Oh, you were the 103 on Trinan. I was the 103 in in, in OCs. In, in 12 OCs, teams. Didn't, in you 12 say there was, didn't you say there was no follow-up bid on that? No follow-up bid. No. <laughs> I think I might have got it. Maybe I got it for 13 in one. I can't remember. But yeah. here's, here's the deal. I don't mind doing that because I wanted him bad. Yeah. And the reason I wanted him bad, I spent, I was willing to spend up in 12s, is that he is showing very, very, very good skills. Since he did, since he brought in that new slider, like he has been absolutely nasty from a skills perspective. He, he's gotten a couple of saves in the last weeks. One of them was a little bit of a fluky situation, I think. But this last one, I mean, Jan, Kenley Jansen hadn't thrown in three days. Yep, that was weird. He hadn't thrown a ton. And they put him in there in a high leverage game that they felt like they needed to win because they'd already blown that 14 to zero lead. And then they throw Jansen. Yes. Uh, Sunday, you know, was it Sunday or Saturday or yesterday? I can't remember Sunday. It was, it had to be Sunday on Sunday. They threw him in the eighth inning when they were losing by one run, you know? And so, and the thing is like, you want a difference maker and Blake Trinan is going to be a freaking difference maker. If he gets that closer role, because the skills are nasty. He's in the best situation in baseball. I don't care what the records are right now between now and the end of the season, the chances are the Dodgers are going to have the most wins out of any team. And so if Trinan can somehow find himself into that role, that is going to be absolute fantasy gold, Uh, fantasy gold. And those are the types of, to types of moves for me, especially in a 12 teamer where it's harder to make a difference, you know, between, um, between that is like you go for those difference makers and you go hard for them. And so that's just a very long justification for an unopposed uh, $103 bid on Blake trying in a 12 team. Well, to add on to that, and mine'll be a lot easier for me to say is if everyone loved Corey Knievel, what he was going to be trying and just took his job. Because Knievel's out. So, like, everything you loved about that, you're now getting in Trinet. And you got him for a lot cheaper than Corey Knievel went in a lot of leagues. So, you got that going okay. for you. I'll take it. I'll take it. You, all right. Even though it was the max bid across all contests. Hey, sometimes setting the curve is a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> you're good there. there. You go. I like that. Great on a curve. I got a 103, Baba. Yeah. I got a 103. 
I'm here for you. I'm here for yeah. you. But let's do some listener questions here, and we'll start out with Mr. Michael Simeone, who I talked about earlier. And he's not here for us because I know he's trolling right out the gate with this. He's Mr. Luis Castillo fan, but he knows myself. I think you're a little bit as well, but myself especially as a Lucas Giolito yeah. fan. Oh, I'm a big, big Giolito yeah. fan. And he says, tell me about Giolito. And Michael Simeone, not cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a little concerning. Yes, um, it's it a little, little concerning. I mean, the thing that concerns me the most is the velo. It's only down 0.6 miles per hour over the course of the year. But if you look at his last start, at least the stat cast data, when I was looking at his game day, he was throwing 92.7, I think, on average, which is not good. That's like where he was during the season that he really, really struggled. Now, I don't think he's the same pitcher then because – you know, some of his pitches as Tay have taken a step forward, but against Kansas city only striking out one, I think in five innings, he had nine whiffs and 93 pitches. I mean, it's definitely concerning. I have him in a, in a variety of really big, he's my most owned of the top, like four or five starting pitchers, probably, you know, that being said, that being said, sometimes these things happen to really good pitchers. Like look at Shane Bieber. I mean, Shane Bieber was a couple hits today away from having two total busts of outings against the Royals and the Cubs, you know, and a depleted Cubs lineup um, as well. I mean, this thing, these things happen to good pitchers as well. So that I think best case scenario is that we are, you were witnessing his blip for the year. Um, and even still like, you know, he's got a four or five ERA, a one, two, nine whip. He's got 43 strikeouts in 35 innings. So nothing is, is that, bad but it's just things like yeah he's got a one he's got his highest home run per fly ball since 2017 and we're in the the i don't know if it's called the dead end ball era yet but like fly balls aren't going out as much as they are so there's these all these little things that are going against them i didn't read it but i know um uh, michael ahetto is obviously a great writer for pitcher list he wrote an article i believe it was about um uh i think it was release point related for Giolito today on pitcher list. So I would recommend, I haven't read it yet, but I'd recommend reading it just because um, uh, he's a great writer. Um, and so I'll have to read that and try to figure out exactly what might else be happening outside of Velo. But the Velo is the big concern for me and just the way they managed him in that outing against the Red Sox. And then the, the following outing, leaving him in there late when he even like admitted, like I didn't have anything more. Yeah. It's just like, it's not good. And it's screw the screw the White Sox. I mean, they deserve everything that they are getting for hiring Tony. Tony Rivers. Like, yep. You, it's only a month. It's only a month in and they're already having say, oh, like, they're already saying they're ready to basically fire him. He's God awful. Like, and we all yeah. knew it. Like we like, all what were they knew thinking? it. Like, what did they putting, think they were getting? Let's not get down that. Hole. Yeah. That's a whole nother podcast. But uh, yeah, like the velocity is the biggest concern for me. And it kind of shows because all of his contact breaks are up this year because probably easier to hit um, is his whiff rates down tremendously. His barrel rates through the roof. But a lot of that was probably Boston helping out with that one. It's definitely not um, an ideal situation for Julia right now, but I'm trying to save face by going, it's early. Like you said, he's still a good pitcher. Um, we're going to work on it. But I, I got to see that velocity get up because that is very, very concerning to say the least. Uh, our buddy Phil Duso, the robot, he asks. No, when, don't <laughs> read the question. When will Caleb Fielber get his first save? A tonight, B tomorrow. I'm going to go see none of the above. Never, Phil. Never. 
The, the better question is when will one of my main events get its first save? Because are I you still, still are you still waiting? I still have zero saves in one of my main events. And let me tell you something else. And this just will tell you how my main events are doing right now. Um, it is, it is well, it's my it's my second best main event, but I'm in third place with zero saves. Oh man, zero saves, zero saves. You could be, yeah. Oh yeah. man, you, you, you know what you could be. I don't even have to say it. <laughs> I mean, uh, well, the team just is the on. team's pretty good, but it's also got Giolito, actually. That same team and, and Giolito and zero saves. Well, I've got like I've got John Means. I've got man. I mean, God, like it's the same thing with another league where we have we got all these great guys and. Um, and Luis Castillo is is just killing us. Uh, yeah, I have yeah. Giolito, Woodruff, Alcantara, Ray, Means, Bumgarner, uh, Smiley. I also have like I also have Yarborough. <laughs> I have some other guys, but like yeah, I'm I'm holding it together. But uh, yeah. So, anyways, for those who weren't listening earlier on the pod, Theo Barr pitched one and a third innings and gave up four earned runs. Uh, today, so he totally destroyed all the great outings I had earlier in the day, which is like the worst, you know, when it's like you have these great outings and it's just like I'm just gonna double check and make sure there weren't any unearned runs. Nope, no unearned runs. Oh, oh you didn't get the uh, the luxury of get, getting up six runs and then uh, no no Morton. He did oh not pull a Morton God. today. That's yeah. so tilting, and it's only tilting because I've been Gombert and Gilito already. I was like, God, so don't give him, make him earn those six runs, <laughs> help a brother out. But oh, uh, man. Yeah, I feel you there. Uh, our buddy Yancey Eaton, he asks, looking at all of my teams with Kana, Kenner Falefa, Mullen, Cesar Valdez, <laughs> that I drafted super late, and it got me wondering mm. who are some of your early season MVPs in terms of surplus value from where you took them. Ooh, that's a really good question, Yancey. Hold on one second. Let my, me... I can tell. I can tell you one of my yeah, right yeah. Out you, that. you go. You go. Jake McGee, like Jake that McGee. one. Jake McGee and Ian Kennedy. I got him. Like Ryan Bloomfield tweeted it out the other day. In our slow draft, Ryan and I recorded a bench with Bubba. The news dropped during the podcast. I was on the clock and took Ian Kennedy, like with my very last pick, round thirty in TGF. Oh, man. So nice. Um, and I have him in a couple other leagues because that was obviously one of our early drafts. So. McGee and Kennedy have been uh, tremendous. Uh, those will be the, the main ones off the top of my head. Uh, I might think of some more, but what do you have? Yeah, just looking at my player shares page, I mean, I have 13 shares of Evan Longoria, which has been nice so far. I have 12 shares of JT Brubaker, including in like a lot of my really important leagues. I have 12 shares of Ramon Laureano. I mean, he's yeah. just been not just the stolen bases now, but he's just he's just smashing the ball. Um I have 12 shares of Yui Gurriel, which has obviously been, you know, these are all guys who, I mean, Loriano went like 150 or 130 or so. So it's not that far back, but those are the types of guys you need to take, you know, kind of big leaps forward uh, to really help you out. I got Hector Neris late, you know, in a few leagues. I got John Means in nine leagues. Um, yeah. Oh, Brian Reynolds in seven leagues. He's been really good so far this year. Nate Lowe in seven leagues, including some really important ones. I mean, Robbie Grossman's batting average is gross, but like he had five RBIs today. He's got like five stolen bases, something like that. Nick Solak in six leagues. Uh, so you can kind of see like those are the guys that 
they're not like super deep guys necessarily, but they're all like after pick 150 that are returning much, much better value. So those are some of the guys for me that have kind of come through pretty big. Yeah, my, on my player shares page, I had nine NFBC leagues. Joey Wendell's in four of them. He's been pretty productive. But like um, Mark Connor, Brubaker, Stroman was almost picked 200, so I'll take that one. And mm-hmm. uh, Danny Duffy, they've been all been I – have, I have a lot of Danny Duffy in best balls in DCs, so that's been making things very, very nice over there. But, uh, Mark, yeah. Con- Mark, Mark Conn is a, a miss for me. He's I mean, big. he's not a miss. I have him in a bunch of leagues, especially OBP leagues, but – I should have been. I should have been more in on that. I was taking like Justin Upton during that time, and I love Justin Upton, and he's actually been fine. I mean, yeah, he's hitting two ten or whatever like that, but he's also got six home runs, I think, six or seven home runs. So, which you know, you'll you'll take that uh, from where you drafted him. But Kana just hitting the top of that lineup and all the things that he does in terms of stolen bases and power and stuff like that is is really nice. And runs. I mean, what is he's got to have like thirty runs already this year or something like something ridiculous like that. Yeah, he's been a, a machine. He's stealing bases. Like you mentioned, OBP, he's just been an absolute monster. I pulled him up right now, and as we look, he has 28 runs scored on the year, six stolen bases already. Um, he has a 377 OBP and five home runs. Yeah. So, not Got bad. in my OBP leagues. There you go. They're also atrocious. <laughs> uh, Mike Carter, the doc, he asks, what do you expect from Kalenic realistically? Many owners drafted and held him. What are we looking at here? Where where will he hit in the order? Is he worth having in redrafts? I have, have him in several keeper leagues. Thanks, guys. You do awesome work. It's um, like, I know we talked about him preseason. He's got like – some people believe 2020 potential, but I'd imagine they've got to put him somewhere in the heart of the order the way he's hitting right now. But it is the Mariners, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I always think like the best thing to do if you're looking for realistic – idea of what he might do is, is just go to the projections. I mean, you know, uh, they're all pretty much in agreement at his true talent level, which is a two thirty five ish batting average, um, 13 home runs, six to seven stolen bases, but that's in 350 plate appearances. And if he's healthy for the rest of the year, he could get 550 plate appearances. And yep. so then you're looking at a, a guy who goes 2010 yep. with a two a 235 batting average, which you know is is going to be really valuable. And I think the thing is is you know he is there's ceiling there. There's a lot of ceiling there too. I think both in terms of the stolen bases because the Mariners have no reason not to let him run. But then also the pop. I mean, he really you know. Um, yeah, I think he can do some really, really good things. I have him in a couple of leagues. I have him in one main event I've stashed him, and I have him in one online championship where I've stashed him, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Was, I was totally tricked by that, the first fake news yeah, sorry, article, sorry. and I switched him into my lineups, and then I oh, saw no. somebody being like, oh, I got fooled by this. I was like, ah. So. Yeah, well, he's coming up Thursday, so you can put him in your back end of the week. So you'll be good. You get to enjoy it then. Yeah, um, the only bad news is I'm in a league with um, – Jeff Zimmerman and Fred Zinke, they have a team in the main event, and it's just a really good team. Jeff and Fred always destroy my teams. Uh, they're like fourth overall, and they have Kalenic, and they, he's just been waiting on the bench. Yeah, yeah. and I'm like, oh, gosh. Yeah, that stings. You win some, yeah. you lose some. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, our buddy Dan the Goat, Mr. Buxton himself, hashtag no Buxton reference, hashtag wounded <laughs> king on this one. I love Dan. He's, he's absolutely awesome. He's great. Um, 
what are some of the best indicators to try and predict future home run positive regression? Searching for more pop from my guys like Pete Alonzo, Moncada, and Seager. Yeah, I think we did this on a recent show as well, but I think the go-to for me if I'm looking for regression, and actually Ryan uh, Ryan uh, Ryan um, Ryan Bloomfield did a Bloom Boards on this. He was looking at I think highest barrel rates with lowest like home um, runs per fly ball or something like yeah, that. Yeah, with lowest home runs per fly ball, and I think that's a really great way to do it. You know, barrels is the best home run metrics we have. It's both, you know, it's it's predictive, it's descriptive, it's it's wonderful. Um, and and then home run per fly ball rate gives us a lot of indication on, on what what is luck and what is not. And so I think just having something in front of you that that gives you both of those metrics, like I created a custom leaderboard on um, fan graphs that gives me all the metrics that I want in one place, you know, and on the right hand side, I have BABIP and home run per fly ball, just to give me a sense of how lucky a player has or hasn't been. And so I'm looking right now at 14 days, but if I were to look at um, the full season, I'm just going to look at barrel. uh, Let's look at home run per fly ball laggards. I love that word. So um, with the most barrels, like Andy Diaz has five barrels and zero home runs. Glaber Torres has five uh, five barrels and one home run. He's got a 2.9% um, percent home run per fly ball rate. Um, uh, Starling Castro has five barrels, one home run. Luis Robert, I won't cover him. Uh, Francisco Lindor has five barrels, one home run. Jorge Soler has nine barrels and two home runs. Cesar Hernandez has nine barrels. See, I was talking about him, and and now he has three home runs. Um, Josh Naylor. Are you you doing overall barrels or barrel percentage? I'm doing overall barrels, not barrel percentage. Yeah, just because that can bring in some small sample spookiness. Um, so those are just some examples. That's what I would do is just run that. Like Jorge Soler stands out to me. Um, David Boat or Bodie, uh, 11 barrels, two home runs. Jed Lowry, three home runs, 10 barrels. You know, I mean, if you, we, if we want to go to the opposite end of this, you know, it's just Vlad Jr. pretty much. <laughs> Who went deep kidding. again on Tuesday. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to. I, I know exactly. I know exactly when Vlad Jr. is about to go off because it's exactly when I'm about to post some snarky comment about like, like today it was like just waiting for that that average to dip below 300 and that uh, and that ground ball rate to hit 50 percent, you know, on Vlad Jr. And of course he does uh, exactly what he what he did today just to shut me up. So, um, but yeah, Vlad is in the top 16 in, in home run. And Dan, I will mention one thing, a, a plug for a friend. Uh, Mike Curlin started anything like Monday through Fridays. So he's doing a deep dive on each player, like diff- individual players. And he's actually got one for Yelena Moncada coming out on Wednesday. Might be good, might be bad. No idea. But he's done like Kyle Tucker. He's done Glaber Torres. He's done a bunch of guys that have kind of been questionable situations. To at least kind of, he makes it so you can understand it, yet it has all the good stats as well. So like, I think it's a really good, quick read type thing. So uh, check that out on Wednesday. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, check it out today. But um, something, something to keep in mind. There's a lot of great content out there that uh, can help you out. Um, Edwin Turnage asks, when setting up your free agent hitter NFBC fab list, 
Do you use the last 14 days, last seven days, season long, or all of the above to evaluate rank bids? How do you do it, Toby? Um, generally, like my process for when I do bids is depends on the team. Everything is super dependent on the team. Like, cause if I need a certain position or something like that, then it's different. But I generally scroll through, um, you know, I read some articles, um, just to get like a lay of like, who's, who's out there, what I might be thinking about throughout the week, I'll go through the fab list and I'll just add guys to one really long claim list. So I just have all the guys that I might be interested in. And I'll generally go through every single, I'll go all the way down to 0% owned um, and do that for both hitters and pitchers. And then I'll generally just look at the last seven days because what I'll do is I'll use fan graphs for the more in-depth dives on guys, like the 14-day lookout, the full season lookout, all of that stuff. But what I'm really trying to look at when I use any of the the, the things on the um, on on the NFBC site is just at bats and Ks. So I'll search by at bats just to make sure like is there a guy that I'm not thinking of who is getting regular access to plate appearances, or and with a pitcher like is there a guy who had like an abnormal amount of Ks? I'll also look at innings pitch sometimes just to see if I'm make sure I'm not missing somebody or something. So I'll generally do that, but then I'm also doing like skill reviews. So I'll look at like the last 14 days of swinging strike rate leaders. I'll look at the last 14 days of CSW leaders, Z contact leaders, just to make sure I'm not missing a guy who might be breaking out skills wise, but isn't showing up somewhere else for some other reason. And then I'll do the similar thing, like to what I just did, you know, for the hitters. Yeah, I do. Um, again, I'll shameless plug, but I think playing DFS helps me out a lot to keep an eye like on who's kind of heating up and streaking and whatnot. And then when I go to the NFBC page, I go to the 14 days. I do 14. I see the seven appeal too, just because I feel like I'm going to be missing on certain things if I don't, but everyone's different. But then then you deep dive into other pages, like you're saying. It's just like you make your list that way, and you go from there. I think it helps me more so on pitching. Like I know he asked for hitting, but pitching, I kind of want a 14-day sample because in seven days, it might get one start. 14 days, it should get closer to three possibly. So you kind of get a better idea of how they're actually doing overall or even relievers like did they have a hot week a, a hot couple weeks how did that go so i think I, I like the 14 day sample for me per se but man do not do end all be all and the, the other reason why i like just doing a smaller sample is as we keep going deeper into the season most players you're adding now are just a stream so you don't care how their season was in my mind like you're literally as much as it's cliche and people hate it you're looking for guys that are playing well you want hot streaks like you want guys that are playing well that you can play for a week totally. or two and you're dumping like you don't care what they did the first month and a half of the season you have zero care about that so i think because that can cloud your judgment if you look at the full season picture and stuff like that so i kind of try to shrink it down and go this is what i want for maybe till the end of the month like like just do that for me so that so it's that's you know. such a good it's such a good point because like a lot of times I feel like when we're doing this podcast, we're always like crapping on the players that are available. Mm-hmm. And it's literally because of that. Cause it's like, like if they're available on the waiver wire, right. They're like at this point in the season, yeah. they're not that good. Right. Unless yeah. it's like NFBC and it's a rookie, you know, who's yeah. coming up. Like they're generally not, they're either injured. They not just happen to get good. playing time. Like they just got into a job. Exactly. <laughs> so you're, to- you're just looking to stream yeah. these guys. You're looking for good schedules. Yep. Again, unless there's some sort of news, like a guy yeah. gets into the rotation or a guy looks like he might be the closer. He was dropped a month ago and now he's healthy. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Um, yeah. So those are the types of things I think where you just, um, yeah, yeah. yeah where th- oh. that's, don't go in with too high of expectations for some of these guys. 
you're literally just wanting them to just help you like um bloomfield said it best um on the recent hq pod i like i bloomfield just does amazing work i can't talk about him enough the way he talks the way he writes it's just he's good he said it best like most of the time especially in deep leagues like we play in you just want a pulse and so most guys on the waiver wire they have a pulse, but how good is the pulse? Like it's so you're not looking for 300. You're looking for, can you get me 240 and maybe a couple steals? Like, can you just go out there and not crush me type situation? So totally. it's crazy. So yeah. How, how right. many leagues do you have where like your bench is literally, you've got one guy who's not on the IL. It's ridiculous. And you're just yes. hoping that the guy who gets injured this week, it, it has the same position as that guy. You know what yes. I'm saying? Yes. It's just like, there's there's so many competing demands. You got all these closer specs that you need to have because everything is so it's on this fine line. Then you need depth in pitching because some of these matchups you do not want to throw a guy in one of these yep. matchups, right? And now then you have to have hitters to be able to get in every single slot in your thing. I mean, it's it there's just so many competing priorities for your bench. So in an NFBC like league, you just you do what you can. Like plate appearances are great, you know. Yeah, they're gold. Absolute gold. Uh, John Wilder asks, he has a decent lead in ERA and whip thanks to some middle relievers plus DeGrom, Burns, etc. Would this change your strategy when picking the last two to three pitcher spots, deciding between a good middle reliever versus a mediocre starting pitcher? I'm 10th in wins and 7th in Ks in FBC 50s, so no pickups. So basically, like, wins and Ks, he's not near the top, but he's crushing an ERA and whip. I think you got to go with the starters and get volume if you want wins and Ks, but it's it's still early to be full panic mode too. Totally. Is it um? Is, so no fab in the fifties? No, it's it's like a DC. It's the fifty dollars DC that a lot of us okay. were doing early on. Same okay. exact. It's, I, okay, maybe it's not. I don't want to speak out of term. I feel like it's the same exact format as the DC, basically. Okay. Okay. Um, if that's the case, then I think it depends, right? It's like you can't fully punt K's and wins in that scenario. But ratios can go very, very quickly at this point in time, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it can change dramatically in a you single day. You can get gombered. You can get gombered. You can get feel barred. Like you can just, <laughs> things can go bad. So what I would suggest doing is one of the things that happens during the course of the year, you know, is there will be a lot of attrition in your league. There will be guys who just stop paying attention, who stop putting in active guys or who at least don't monitor it as closely. It sounds terrible to base your strategy off of this, but if the rest of your team is doing well and you're competing and you're watching closely, what I would do is pick and choose carefully which starts you use, right? Like if they are questionable, start them in against bad matchups and then have your better relievers in there against other guys. And then when you get like halfway to the season or two thirds of the way into the season, look to see where you are in wins and strikeouts, right? Is there an overall in the 50s? Yes, you can win the uh, first place gets a main event ticket. This is the one I was leading a few weeks ago. Okay. Uh, second so, place gets an OC. Third place gets something else. So you got to balance that. Like if your goal is to win the overall in this particular league, then yes, you, you need to be a little bit more aggressive in terms of starting guys. But don't – it also depends on how big the overall is. There's a lot of different components. There's but a I would ton. Just say, I would just say don't start guys that don't feel good. It's yeah. never worth it because, like, they're probably not going to get a win, honestly. Like what is the percentage chance that – uh, a fifth starter gets a win in baseball these days. It's got to be under 20%, like these days, like 25 or not, like maybe 25%. Uh, and then like with K's, like chances are, if you have like Blake Trinan and he's throwing three times in a given week, 
you're going to get as many Ks as probably that fifth starter is. So it's not actually that beneficial to you, I don't think. So that's what I would say. Um, so I, I 100% agree. I think it's you got to kind of keep it timid. A, it's early, so don't go panicking on wins and Ks yet. And it's a lot like you're going to be able to rack up stuff here and there. And even a middle reliever is going to get you wins and Ks. I'd rather take that and the ratios that they should bring on paper than the blow ups that these fourth and fifth starters could take. Like I've, I've sat two start guys in some of the fifties just because I don't like the matchups for the week. It's it, it, it can bludgeon you in a hurry. So I'm with you on that one, Toby. Okay. Uh, Drew, Drew at Fru underscore Dorte asks thoughts on Ty France. He slowed down the last few weeks after a hot start. Yeah, I pulled him up since uh, the 27th about two weeks ago. He's only hitting like a buck 59. And I'm looking at like his different chase rates and contact rates compared to the season. And they've, uh, dr- you know, the contact rates are still there. Um, you look at his swing rates, they're still like pretty similar. Everything's really similar. Uh, he's actually swinging strike rates gone down during the slump. So I don't know. I'm, I'm a Thai France fan, so I might be biased. So what are your thoughts on him? I don't have any France, so I haven't been monitoring the playing time that closely. Uh, but what I'll say is everything looks decent under the hood. The home run per fly ball rate is very low, um, 8.3%. So is the hard hit rate, though. But his contact rate is really, really nice. The O swing is fine. Um, max exit below is the highest that it's been. Average exit velocity is slightly higher than he's been. He's got nine barrels and three home runs. So I think he's, I think he's fine. Like he is who Ty France is, right? I mean, if you were expecting Ty France to hit you 30 home runs this year, you know, uh, he's not going to be what you wanted him to be, but he's pretty much in line, maybe slightly unlucky with what the projections, you know, have him projected for. And so I wouldn't move too far off of that. If, if you're keeping him in 12 leagues, I, I don't think that's um, necessary at all. I think you can, um, I think you can move uh, it, move it, off the one there, but 15s. 15s you hold for sure. Because the one thing he brings is massive multi-position flexibility, like big time. Uh, thanks first base, second or second base, third base, outfield in some leagues. Mm-hmm. So he, you got him all over the diamond. And if you want to talk about, about a guy, if like his X stats, there should be some more positive regression coming his way. I think he's still doing very, very well. Um, and they're still hitting him anywhere from second to fourth every day still. So he's still in the heart of that order. So I wouldn't wouldn't shy away quite yet. I even saw tonight while we're recording, I have the Dodgers-Mariners game on, and he had a bomb to the wall in center field. Oh, have he's, the Dodgers scored any more runs? Yeah, they just scored right now. They've, they've chased Kikuchi in the seventh. It's four how, to two. How long did they keep four, Kikuchi three. in there for? They brought him out to the seventh. He threw like 117 pitches. He had 11 Ks, but he just – he didn't have it after a while. What and are they it, doing? Yeah, I was watching. Not, I didn't want to say it. I'm like, he's at 105 to start the seventh. And I'm like, just take him out. He's and, at 97 pitches and he gives up a single and you just leave him in there. Yeah, it was. Now it's managing. four to three. Yeah. No, what a god awful. Managing. Yep. <sighs> Baseball, baby. There's reasons why some teams stay some teams. And why um, do you not bring in Graveman there too? Yeah. Ben Tid, our buddy Ben, he asks, how have how have or will you change your mindset when it comes to analysis, both hitting and pitching, considering Babbitt was around 283 and average is the lowest it's been since at least 1968? Do you think things will correct themselves, or is this the new normal to, with today's ball? Unfortunately, I think it's the new normal for at least this season, which sucks. Like we're, I don't think how that's going to change anywhere. And I'll let you have the floor because you're going to say probably way better analysis on this, but 
I'm not affecting my analysis too much because it's equal across the board to me. It's, it's kind of to me. It's when we tried to decide what's the ball going to do, like five percent this and that. We don't know. Like obviously, it maybe it factor it favors guys with higher batting averages, but as a whole, I think it's going to be kind of a fluid situation across it. I could be totally wrong though. So, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, let's let me just run a little. I mean, my general thought is, yes, it's going to be lower. And the reason it's going to be lower is, number one, the shift. There's more and more data. And, and you know, that is keeping guys, certain guys from having a higher Babbitt. So it'll impact guys who hit those ground balls to the pull side um, in particular. But then I also think what's happening is the Babbitt on fly balls um, is, is down a lot. Um, I'm trying to um, – let's do this. No, I can't do it. Um, let me let me just see here. So, in in all of baseball, the um, the BABIP on fly balls is one oh nine this year. The BABIP on fly balls. Now, remember, BABIP fly balls normally have a very low BABIP because home runs are not counted, right? But you're going to get fewer home runs already, so you're getting more fly balls that stay in play and they are going to have a super low Babbitt because they're fly balls. So normally they get caught. So this year it's at 109. Somebody else did this. I saw, I saw them do this online. So I'm stealing what you did, but so it's 109 this year in 2020. It was, oh, it was only, it was 106 in 2020. So maybe I'm just lying. Maybe I'm just making things up. This is why we, um, it was 118 in 20. Oh, well, 2020 is 2020 was a small sample. Uh, it's 118 in 2019. Um, 117 in 2018. So you're losing like, you know, essentially 1% uh, in terms of fly balls that that land in there. And then I would also guess that ground ball Babbitt have been down as well. So, you know, yes, I think it'll be down. I do think that it will... Um, I think it will adjust back a little bit. I don't think it'll stay as low as it is, as it is right now, but I think there's just guys. Yeah. Who have been overly hurt by it. Like there's how many sub 200 Babbitt guys are there out there right now that it's just like brutal. And you're like, like how long can I keep this guy in my lineup for, you know? Um, but as we've seen in the past, like those types of things generally tend to work themselves out. So it sucks. Major league baseball is like, what a bunch of, yeah, dumb not, in, not intelligent people. Yep, it's it's fun, fun time. Our buddy Lil Book of Calm, he brings a, a good question. Toby and Scott White have similar voices, love pitchers, and we're not in on Vlad this year. Can you confirm that they're actually different people? That's been confirmed. We're good. Also, would you rather have Andres Jimenez or Dylan Moore rest of season? It's an OBP redraft league, or just play the hot hand uh, with on the wire? Basically, it's a what league? An OBP, OBP. redraft redraft so not a keeper dynasty he didn't say the depth so i'm guessing let's say 12 teams let's just go 12 teams i mean jimenez is really hard because he's yeah, he's not playing teams. enough yeah he's not at least more the back end of the lineup if it's 12 um, teams even, i just play the waiver wire. not playing that much yeah huh? i play the waiver wire personally but that's tough at 12 team it's okay 15 you're kind of screwed but yeah i mean i think i'd rather i'd probably rather have more but I wouldn't want either one of them in my lineup all the time. I want to really play the matchups with them. Like that's what I'm doing with um, Jimenez. Like they have three righties, I think, 
early this week. So he's in my lineups, had a stolen base today, you know, just that, that type of stuff, but you know, more sitting seventh. He has played the last six games at least. So I'd have more in there just because he's much more of an OVP asset. I think probably steal a similar amount of bases and he has more power probably than Jimenez does as well. And you're not hurt as much by the batting average, but both of them have really low batting average floors. But so I'd go, I'd go with Dylan Moore. Yeah. If I had to pick between the two, it's more. If I could play the waiver wire, I would in a heartbeat over those two. Um, Simon P asks some guys for deep NL only, if you would Connor Joe with Crone on DL and Kenny stick also Jordan Holloway in Miami. Can he stay in rotation, play a value role out of the bullpen? Thanks. I, who is the first guy? Connor Joe with Crone on the DL. I think Matt Adams gets most of the time there over Connor Joe, but like that's just going to be a platoon to me personally. Holloway is interesting in an NL only if he's going to be in the rotation, but um, I guess if I had to, I, I, I'd be willing to give Holloway a shot depending on who you're dropping. Connor Joe, I'm just not there. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't really play NL or AL onlys. Um, so it's really hard for me to, to say, I guess you just take a stab at them and don't put them in your lineup if you, if you can, because theoretically people who are just breathing and playing in NL and AL onlys are, are really valuable. But, um, yeah, I mean, Joe could be interesting. He could get three or four games a week in Coors or something. Yeah. Yeah, He's not not a bad like from a, he doesn't have the prospect pedigree, but I think his production in the minors was pretty good. Yeah, if, if we see him actually get to play, I like Joe. I'm just worried they're going to put Matt Adams out there too much. That just annoys me. The, the thing with Holloway, I like him quite a bit. He's a heavy slider guy and a heavy ground ball guy. So the strikeouts, he's almost like a a harder throwing Tyler Rogers. So just keep that in mind. The upside is going to be kind of weird, but in an in only league, I can see the appeal for sure. He'd be great in an opener type situation. That's where he'd thrive. I just don't think Miami's going to do that, but uh, I don't mind giving Holloway a shot in NL only. Um, Nick Zach asks, sell high on means for Giolito straight up in a points league. I would personally, but I am a very biased on Lucas Giolito. Maybe Toby's got a better answer for that. Uh, Giolito straight up for means. Is that what you said? In a points league. Uh, in a points league. Yeah, I would do that. Yeah. I mean, this is what is, it's so, it's so, so difficult because means has been really, really good. You know, he's been lucky, but the data also supports him being a good pitcher. And, but at the same, and, and Giolito is struggling and there may be broader issues, but Giolito's like, Giolito's a league winner. I don't think means is a league winner. You know, maybe he is, maybe he is right. Like in a deeper league, you know, that may be the case, but um, yeah. So I would say, I would say, yes, I would do that. Yeah, I would too. I think the ceiling's much, much better there. And our last question of the night, Taylor Johnson asks, I have Burns coming off the IL and need to cut one of Tyler Anderson, Young Kim, Alzale, Luis Garcia, Brubaker. Does anyone stand out from that group to cut? Oof. It was talk about very similar. I'd cut Kim. I'd cut Kim. I, I'm not a Kim believer. Too much pitch to contact for me, but that's just that's let just me. Let me, let me take a look. I'm pretty familiar with the other profiles, but I know Kim struck out six today. Um, five and a third, six. And that was the Brewers, though. And I don't know if you have the scat cast or if you're not, I'll look it up. Um, the little bits I saw, they were loud outs. Yeah, I mean, they all look good. 
Brubaker had another win today. God, I love that. Yeah, guy. I like Brubaker. But I guess um, Brubaker is one of like the least proven of the group. If you kind of want to go, oh, Luis Garcia is a rookie for Christ's sakes. So maybe not, but yeah. Um, who are the who? Ty Anderson, Brubaker. Oh, sorry. It was uh, Anderson, Brubaker, Kim, Alzole, and Luis Garcia. I might do Garcia. Garcia or Anderson, maybe. I mean, I really like what Tyler Anderson is doing, but a little less upside in terms of Ks. Um, so maybe Anderson. But then with Garcia, he's not. You know, once Odorizzi's healthy, I don't know if he's in there. And the volume. Well, Framber's really com- coming back too. Framber's coming back, so I might get rid of Garcia. I might get yeah, because you might get Garcia for about two to four more weeks max, probably. And yeah. then there's going to be two pitchers vying for that job pretty soon. So yeah, because I mean, Kim, 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 um, Kim, he actually looks pretty good from like a skills perspective. Like his BABIP is high at 130. That's just because he has a 346. Um, I mean, his, his, uh, whip is high at 130, but that's just because he has a 346 BABIP. Um, the strike swinging strike rates at 12.5%. Real quick, real quick. Does that BABIP concern you in a world with low BABIPs? No, 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 no. I mean, unless, you know, nobody should really have a 346 BABIP unless he's like supposed to. I mean, the, the batted ball metrics aren't that great, right? He's got a very high barrel rate. He's got the hard hit rate's not that big. But the thing is, like, that that's all small sample stuff, you know, like that can change in a heartbeat. And, and if he's got good K metrics, if he's got all of that stuff, then that will theoretically, you know, make him he gives up less contact. So it's less likely to hurt him. He's in a good stadium with with the with the Cardinals. They've gotten a better outfield. So everything checks the box for him in terms of being 18.4 percent K minus walk rate, really good in zone contact rate, really good O swing. So again, things could change, but I do like, like what I see. I think he's in the rotation firmly, so I would go him over over Garcia probably right now. All righty, that is our last question tonight. So that'll wrap up another episode of Bub and the Bat Flip. Toby, final thoughts as we are into Week Seven, which means we're almost two weeks into the baseball season. Um, or two yeah, months, two months two into months. the baseball season. Uh, yeah. It's May. May is a great month. Um, yep. Just continue to enjoy it and. Good luck out there. It's, it's tough out there. Tough out there yep. right now. It's a grind, but it's a long ways to go. So don't completely get crazy yet. And Fab bids the last couple of weeks have gone down overall price wise. So it's kind of been fun to watch. Um, I think because one reason everyone's spent a lot of money and B, I think it's starting to people are starting to realize, you know, let's not go too crazy just yet. So um, that'll, that'll be fun to keep an eye on. But uh, yeah, as usual, good luck, everybody. We'll be back with you guys next week. To talk some more Fab and your listener questions. Keep them coming. Those are some good ones tonight. So give us some more of those next week. We'll get you some stuff. Um, Toby is on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. I am at BDEntrick, and we'll catch you guys next week. See ya. That is going to wrap us up for episode 179 of the podcast and edition number 83 above in the BatFlip. Uh, a fun episode. Uh, it's it's nice. I, I Like I mentioned before, I really love this time of year and we're starting to get like, you know, there's there's injuries, there's, I don't like the injuries, but there's injuries, there's players coming up from the minors, you know, there's a little bit larger samples to take a look at, there's just, I think, a lot more actionable 
uh, things or things that you feel maybe a little bit more confident in in acting on. So hope hope these are being help, uh, are helpful to you uh, in all your fantasy baseball leagues. Uh, best of luck in all those leagues. Take care and be kind to one another.